Good morning. My name is Jane Dorman, and I serve here at White Oak on our teaching team, and it is just such a treat to be with you, especially here on Mother's Day, uh, sharing God's Word with you. And I got to say, these last five weeks through our Say Yes series, a uh, big takeaway that I have uh, just really been leaning into and learning is that saying yes to Jesus takes courage. It's powerful. This phrase, say yes, is transformational only if we take it seriously. And today we transition into this new series we're calling No Matter What, where we are inviting you to wrestle with this question. What does it look like to say yes and follow Jesus as the highest priority in my life? Because at the core of my being, I believe that my highest calling in life is to follow Jesus no matter what. And this is a journey that we're all on as followers of Christ. Jesus wants to call us deeper. He wants to call us closer. He wants to refine the very being of who we are with every step we choose to take towards him. Because he's just not satisfied with just a little snack, a mere fraction of our heart. He wants the whole meal. He wants to redeem the entirety of your being So what's holding you back from saying yes to Jesus' call today? Because the call to redemption, honestly, it's not an easy process to walk through. But when we say yes to Jesus, we're saying no to good distractions that could potentially hinder our spiritual growth. But when we wake up and we realize the distractions that are hindering us, we become aware of the firm foundation he's building within us that is rooted in our identity in Christ, rooted to his heart. And what I love is that the Bible is filled with stories of men and women who said yes to Jesus They said yes, um, and it took great courage, but there are examples in our Bible of real-life people who faced fear, and they wanted to step into this unwavering bravery of following Jesus with, with all that they are. And what I love is the diversity of how courage is played out. Courage does not necessarily always look like slaying a giant with a slingshot. Sometimes courage looks like humble surrender of our glory to the authority of Jesus. Sometimes it's believing what Jesus says despite what our surrounding circumstances are telling us. Sometimes it looks like welcoming God's provision of the unexpected and sometimes it's played out through persistent faith that keeps pursuing Jesus no matter what. Keep moving forward. And in this series, we're going to have an opportunity to look at four different stories of various women in the Bible who demonstrate this courage and are our example of unwavering bravery. These are exemplary women that we can look to and do a little biblical excavation, if you will, um, to see the deeper meaning in the stories that they lived out. And speaking of exemplary women, I wanna take a moment to pause and say happy Mother's Day. Yes, yes. This morning, I um, wanna just sidestep here and I wanna 
teach all of us a, a Hebrew phrase that has been very meaningful to me as a woman, as a mom, um, as a daughter of Christ, and it is this phrase called Eshet Shayil. Eshet Shayil is a Hebrew phrase, and it's translated into English as woman of valor. We're surrounded by women of valor today in this room. We're surrounded by women of valor in our communities, no matter where we go, no matter where we work, no matter where we find ourselves. Eshet Shayil, it's a phrase of celebration, of recognizing that you are a woman of valor and God has appointed you into the spaces in which you serve. And that I celebrate today on Mother's Day, whether you are a mom of little ones, whether you're mom of grown-ups, whether you're a mom through adoption or foster parenting, whether you're a grandma who is nurturing new grandbabies, and you know whether you're a mom who has walked that hard road of pregnancy loss or infertility, you are a woman of valor appointed by God, and we are better for it that you are here. You matter. So happy Mother's Day to all the moms and ladies in the room. Eshet Shayil. I mean, if it isn't clear, I am deeply passionate about encouraging women to follow Jesus with their whole hearts and in my recent years, I've embarked on a personal journey of my own because um, I came to a point in my biblical study that I realized that outside of women like Ruth and Esther and Deborah and Mary, I didn't really know other stories of women that are in the Bible. And there's lots of them in here. And the thing is, is we need to become like Bible archaeologists you know, these like single-lined words, if we like deep dive into the context of what these like sentences that mention women, we can see and appreciate the contributions these women made to not only the church, but also the biblical narrative as a whole. And that is what I'm hoping that this series, no matter what, it whets your appetite to do a little biblical exploration of your own. Because the deeper we go into the Bible, the deeper we go deeper with Jesus, and that's where he meets us and he refines us, and we can just see how awesome this literary masterpiece is. So we are going to be, like I said, deep diving into different stories of women in the Bible. We're going to be learning through their choices, their actions, and even their shortcomings, that these women have made a lasting impact on the biblical narrative. And today we are going to look at the story of the mother of mothers, Jesus' mom, Mary. And her story that we are going to particularly look at today is going to teach us our big idea, and it's this, our surrender reveals God's glory. Now, being a mom is one thing, but have you ever considered how complicated it was to be the mother of Jesus? I mean, think about it. What do we know about Mary? We know she was highly favored by God to carry Jesus in her womb. We know that she said yes to God's plan, and because of her yes, she sacrificed her reputation. She even kind of sacrificed her cultural well-being when she said yes to God, and she raised Jesus. I mean, that means she cleaned his diapers, she potty trained him, she made sure he ate his vegetables. Okay, she had a hand in raising Jesus as his mom. And then Jesus grew up, and things got complicated. 
During Jesus' lifetime, Jewish society put a high favor on duty within the context of community. Okay, this is important for us to understand as we go into our story today because the question of that day was how ought I behave within the context of the community as opposed to nowadays we kind of say, well, what's my right within the context of this community? Like what rights do I have? In Jesus' time, they looked at how they ought to behave and the answers to that question would help guide them through this process and they could find it within the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments were given to the Israelites by God through Moses and the intention behind them was to show us that if we wanted to be made right in the eyes of God, we would adhere to these, these laws. Okay, and spoiler alert, we were pretty terrible at keeping them. <laughs> That's why Jesus came. But this became the societal code of the Jews, and that's what they subscribe to within their society. Today. society. today, I want us to zero in on two commandments that I think hold tension with one another, and it's also the lens in which I want us to look at today's story. And that is the first commandment, which reads, you shall have no other gods before me. And the fifth commandment, you shall honor your mother and Father, so that you may live long in the land of the Lord your God is giving you. I mean, can we acknowledge for a minute here that honoring God and honoring parents can come into conflict with one another, even today? Never ever have I felt this tension more than when I went off to college. It was a time in my life when I was learning to be an adult. I, the college I chose to go to, Asbury University, was six hours away from uh, my parents. Um, and let's just be honest, when you're learning something, sometimes you make choices that maybe don't live up to the expectations of what your parents have for you. <laughs> um, one such expectation was um, it was expected for me um, every summer to come home to Michigan and to work and make, you know, raise money to help go towards my college education. My sophomore year, I was handed an opportunity to intern at a radio station in Alaska with a mission organization, and the catch was this internship was unpaid. You know, I would get college credit, uh, it would look good on my resume, and I, you know, I remember presenting this to my parents and they had reservations because they're like, no, this was the understanding was that you would come home, you would work, and you would raise money and go to college for your college education. Um, and I just, I remember sitting with it and just praying over it and I felt God really laying on my heart that this is your next right step, just trust me with your summer. And so I made the choice to follow through with going to, uh, to Alaska for this internship, you know, and my parents came around to the idea and they supported me, um, you know, with some reservations. But I gotta tell you that prior to accepting this role, I did not know the hard season that waited for me, that I walked through. And that summer in Alaska was a time of spiritual healing and deeper connection with Jesus. And I don't think I would have experienced that had I um, gone home to Michigan to work for the summer. I mean, God works in mysterious ways, but that's just an example of how this tension can play out. And today we are gonna witness this tension in John chapter two, if you wanna follow along with me. And we find Mary and Jesus at a family wedding in Cana. 
Now, a lot of us are familiar with this story. We typically recognize this story as the place where Jesus performs his first miracle. Yes, and that is true. But today, I want us to lean into the exchange between Mary and Jesus and how Mary's action amid this tension is our example of surrender. So today, John chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 1. Here we go. The next day, there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples, disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Jesus' mother told him, they have no more wine. Dear woman, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. And when the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. And when the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though of course the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine, but you have kept the best until now. This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. After the wedding, he went to Capernaum for a few days with his mother, his brothers, and his disciples. Now, we're not sure whether this was a personal family member, we knew it was a family wedding, or a close friend, but we do know is that Mary was very concerned that the wine was running out. And I don't know if you've ever been to a party and the wine's running out, that can dampen the mood. And honestly, back in this day, culturally speaking, this could be a public shame for the bridegroom's family. So this was a big deal to Mary. Mary is a problem solver, and she just knew, she just knew that Jesus could potentially solve it. And she does what every concerned mother does, and she inserts herself into the situation, and she decides she's going to follow it and make it Jesus' problem. And then... Jesus pushes back and says, Dear woman, that is not our problem. My time has not come yet. Can you feel that tension? I mean, talk about awkward, okay? Is Jesus' denial of Mary's request a denial of her honor? I mean, that's the question that Mary was probably thinking in this moment. Because everything Mary understood about her relationship with Jesus changes in this moment. Mary is faced with a choice. She could push back on Jesus and demand her honor, like fix it, or she can surrender it to Jesus. So as we unpack this scene together today, I want us to recognize, not just through words, but through actions, Three dimensions of surrender, and those are Jesus has authority over our life. Surrender is an act of obedience and trust. And God's glory unlocks miracles when we surrender. Mary is our example today of how surrender reveals God's glory. So let's dive in with Jesus has authority over our life. 
when Mary approaches Jesus, now, Jesus' response to her is not belligerent. It is not one of rebellion. When he says woman, it's actually a term of endearment. And he is setting a gentle boundary. He's being very graceful with his mother. Setting a gentle boundary with her. And by doing so, he reminds her that he answers to a higher authority than hers. And he would not disobey it. Now, a few chapters later in the book of John, we come to in John chapter 5, a scenario where Jesus has a more bold conversation with some Jewish leaders after he heals a lame man on the Sabbath. Another rule of the Ten Commandments that guided the decisions and choices of that day. Listen to Jesus defend his authority to these Jewish leaders which is key to understanding the tension between Jesus and Mary. So John chapter 5, verses 19 through 24. So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. And whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him everything he is doing. In fact, the Father will show him how to do even greater works than healing this man. Then you will truly be astonished, for just as the Father gives life to those he raises from the dead, so the Son gives life to anyone he wants. In addition, the Father judges no one. Instead, he has given the Son absolute authority to judge, so that everyone will honor the Son just as they honor the Father." Anyone who does not honor the Son is certainly not honoring the Father who sent him. I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. In this passage, Jesus explains to the Jewish leaders in great detail that honoring God no matter what, was Jesus' number one priority. It says in verse 19 that the son could do nothing by himself, and then Jesus claims that he is God's son. Whatever Jesus did was what God wanted him to do. And Jesus would not step outside that boundary. He was committed to honoring God. And ultimately what Jesus was saying to him is this, honoring Jesus the Son of God, was how one honored the Father. Now, like the Jewish leaders, Mary also held expectations of authority as well. However, in this situation, her reputation was at risk, and she was about to discover that, discover that a different kind of honor was in play. Mary had hoped that Jesus would resolve the conflict at the family wedding, but her expectations were not in line with God's plan for Jesus. Now, Jesus had ultimate authority. That challenged a lot of authorities here on earth throughout his ministry, including Mary. And what I find so fascinating about this exchange is that with the Jewish leaders, Jesus used a whole slew of bold proclamations about his authority. But with Mary, he used one sentence. One sentence that conveys to me, and it should convey to all of us, the deep connection Mary and Jesus had with one another. It's kind of like a parent who gives their kid the look when they're misbehaving. You don't say a lot, 
The I say it all. Okay? That's what I find so fascinating. In one sentence, Jesus made a claim that he alone knew the will and the timing of God, his Father. He would only reveal that will to those who followed him. Therefore, Mary would have to follow Jesus. And she could only do that through the surrender of her honor. Mary would have to allow her son to become Lord of her life. Which brings me to this question for all of us to consider today. Who or what holds ultimate authority over your life? It's a fundamental question for all of us to consider um, because we all have something that's competing for our attention and for our authority over our life. It could be our relationships, whether it's friendships, relationships with a significant other, your marriage, because those provide a sense of belonging, and maybe that's a desire that you just have so innately within you. I think all of us have that. Maybe it's our finances, because money makes us feel powerful or gives us security. Maybe it's our job title, because that gives us a sense of prestige, it feeds the pride of our ego, and gives us a sense of purpose in life. And these are worthy pursuits, but they become problematic when they surpass their intended purpose and they take over our lives. Ultimately, they will not and cannot satisfy us. They leave us with a persistent hunger for something more. And personally, as I have journeyed with Christ, I have discovered that only he can fulfill and sustain all my desires. It's crucial to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Following Jesus requires us to surrender our honor in order to honor God, regardless of the situations we find ourselves in. Which leads me to the second dimension of surrender, which is surrender is an act of obedience and trust. When confronted with this new reality and new revelation of her relationship with her son, Mary had a critical decision to make. She chose to take action. And that action was instructing the servants to do whatever he tells you to do. And then she kind of just walks away. This was an act of obedience. Her act of obedience and her trust was her next right step as she surrendered her honor to the authority of her son and brought glory to God. Mary's unwavering faith and surrender to God's plan serves as a shining example of what it means to answer Jesus' call with a resounding yes, no matter what. She teaches us that true surrender requires action. She teaches us that Obedience to God's will, even when it may not align with our own desires or understanding. What is God calling you to surrender today? Like I said, for Mary, it was her honor. She was called to surrender to that. But what's holding you back from saying yes and following Jesus no matter what through this act of surrender? Is it, is it fear or anxiety? Is it your desire for control? Is it a lack of understanding? Is it, is it uh, a tight grip to all the accomplishments that you've achieved in your life on your own? Is it a resistance to change? What is it? 
What are you being called to surrender today? Because when we talk about this idea of surrender, it's a very churchy word that we like to use to define like what our spiritual growth and development looks like, but surrender is just a word until you actually try it out. It's challenging. It often feels intimidating and discouraging. And in truth, surrendering our will to God is daunting. It requires us to relinquish control and to trust in God's plan for our lives, even when it feels uncomfortable or unfamiliar. And while the act of surrender may seem overwhelming, it is a crucial step in our spiritual journey and a key component of our relationship with Jesus. Despite the difficulties, surrender can be an incredibly transformative experience. By placing our trust in Jesus and submitting to his will, we can experience a newfound sense of peace and purpose and direction in our lives. It is only through the act of surrender that we can fully embrace our identity as children of God and grow in our relationship with him. Our surrender reveals God's glory. As I I think about this, I, I keep coming back to this passage in Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse 24. It says, then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower... You must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? This brings me to this final dimension of surrender and I think is one of the most powerful pieces of this whole story and that's that God's glory unlocks miracles when we surrender. Mary's obedience unlocked a miracle. The wedding in Cana showcased the power of surrender through Mary's obedience which led, Jesus's, led to Jesus' first miracle of turning water into wine. The resulting abundance of the best wine spared the groom and his family from public shame and it revealed Jesus' glory. But this miracle was not just a simple act. It was called a sign. And a sign draws us deeper into the heart of who Jesus is and reveals new truths the more we explore and unpack it. Let me tell you a few of them. The wine miracle represented biblical images of joy, the final banquet, as well as symbolizing the transformation of the old covenant into the new covenant. It guides us to the very essence of who Jesus is. Jesus, the one who makes all things abundantly new and brimming with life. And he can do that for you today. In his book, The Real Mary, author Scott McKnight says this in regards to the sign. In fact, the sign here tells us that Jesus is himself the one who provides joy for those who will taste him and his provisions. 
who listens to his words, believes his words and receives his words as words from the Father. The claim of the sign at Cana is that Jesus' life, brimming as it is with God's living presence, will never run dry and will always sustain his followers. Hmm. Mary's surrender triggered a sign. Even though she meddled in Jesus' business, and in all honesty, Mary stumbled into this surrender, just like we stumble into faith. She was human. But she had a choice, and she ultimately chose to trust him, which is a choice you and I face in our faith journey with Jesus. Jesus is inviting you to surrender. Will you accept it? Our surrender reveals God's glory. And surrendering our whole selves to Jesus unlocks miracles in our lives. But it requires trust, patience, and faith. And we wait for him to move. And he will always move, more so than we can even fathom or imagine. Choosing to trust Jesus means a life of full surrender which reveals God's glory to us and to those around us. So this morning, I just want to close with a question for us to think through this week. And that is, what miracle could Jesus unlock in your life through your complete surrender to him? Let me pray for us. Father God, uh, we are humbled to come before you this morning. We recognize your authority. And we also recognize that it can be hard to accept it. And today, Father, I just ask for Holy Spirit to just stir within our hearts the areas in our lives that we have not fully surrendered to you. I ask that you would reveal those areas, bring them to the surface, and teach us what it looks like to live lives of full surrendered, full surrendered hearts, wholly devoted to you, Father. Redeem us. Show us your way and guide us. We love you, Jesus, for never giving up for, on us and for pursuing us persistently. Help us to do the same. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.